We know that somewhere in the world, someone downloaded this podcast, but we don't know anything about you. The folks who support this show would love to know just a little bit about who is listening. If you have two minutes, it really does only take two minutes. Help us make this show an even better experience for you by telling us more about yourself. Just go to ListenerQ, L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R-Q.com forward slash pull up and take the short survey. You can also give us direct feedback on the show, which we would love to hear. And as a thank you, you'll be entered in a drawing for a $100 Amazon gift certificate. Two minutes. ListenerQ.com slash pull up. That's ListenerQ.com slash pull up. Donovan Mitchell calling in. If you could have one hour to learn something from an NBA legend, who and which skill would you choose? Kobe, for sure. If I could learn footwork from Kobe for an hour, I think that would be one of those things that would go a long way for me. Do you look at anything specifically, Donovan, this year to improve? Defense. You know, I want to be able to guard for the entire game and play offense and be able to be, you know, the main option. For me, being able to play both sides of the ball, I think, is one thing I really want to be able to do. I think there's a lot of very talented players out there who go under the radar. Looking at Tatum, looking at Terry Rozier. Eric Bledsoe is a competitor. Chris Middleton, Giannis is a top five player in the league. Obviously, Kimball Walker. But those type of players take up most of the highlights. Welcome to the Eric Dickerson episode of Pull Up. That's right, number 29. We have come a long way and still have a long ways to go. It's officially time for the NBA season to kick off. A lot of great games starting tonight. And when you hear this on Wednesday, at least two games will have finished. And games three, four, five on will begin playing. So really looking forward to this season starting. Obviously, we tip off on Thursday against the Los Angeles Lakers, the new look Lakers. And uh, really looking forward to you know performing again at a high level, uh, playing in front of our, our, home, our home court. Some of the best fans in the NBA at the Moda Center. And... Uh, Honestly, it's a blessing to be able to play this game going into year six at a high level, being able to represent you know where I come from and uh, being able to, to represent the franchise. Obviously, there's some sad news uh, with the passing of Paul Allen, uh, the owner of not only the Seattle Se- Seahawks, but also the Portland Trailblazers, a philanthropist, uh, a guy who did things the right way, who empowered so many. And as I said on my Instagram post, uh, he changed the life trajectory of so many people, not just from a financial standpoint, but by providing resources to third world, third world countries, providing resources uh, for, for the government to research coral reefs, for the government to research uh, different medicines, and uh, just, just continuing to try to figure out ways to make the world a better place. So uh, he's someone who will be missed not only in the Pacific Northwest, not only for the Portland Trailblazers community franchise, the Seattle Se- Seahawks community franchise, but the world. You're talking about a man who made a difference in uh, left the world better than it was when, when he found it and when he was here. So uh, prayers and condolences go out to his family. You know, he will be missed and we will continue to try to honor him by playing at a high level and leaving it all out there on the court uh, each night. Uh, we have a special guest that will be calling in uh, later on. So really looking forward to to having him on. And we also have Jordan Schultz on, as always. And Jordan actually was just talking about how he was in Boston filming some stuff uh, for the boardroom. So maybe you can give us a brief, you know, just a little bit about what you discussed there and then we can you know, just kind of talk about what you're looking forward to most in the upcoming NBA season. So I can't get into too much detail, Mr. McCollum, just out of uh, respect for the for the boardroom process. Just a little but, bit. Uh, just a little bit. It was, yeah, a l- little bit of detail is this. Um, got to uh, spend some some time both with the Sixers and Celtics last night, and uh, it, it's amazing when you when you think about like the start of the season and the, the preparation process that we know all you guys have gone through to get ready to see guys in the gym. So last night I'm I'm watching Jason Tatum work out and to see him in the gym uh getting I don't know hundreds of shots up working on different small things you know nothing big but just refining and 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 making sure he makes this many free throws in a row making sure it looked like they were getting swishes you know, off the dribble stuff catch and shoot um all the things I've seen you do um in person but to see it the night before a game and to see how Guys are locked in now. It's just different, and the NBA starts to get, as we know, like the off season never never stops. It's a, it's it's a lot of fun, but come August September, it starts to get a little bit serious again. And then now, you know, on the eve of the season before Philly plays Boston, to see a guy like Tatum putting that work in was was really interesting, and it's why he is already one of the you know best young players in the league. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy and excited about the season. And I, I know what you mean by seeing players lock in. As the season gets closer, as you, you, you phase from preseason to regular season, the level of focus goes up, the level of intensity goes up, understanding the importance of each possession, understanding the importance of each rep. As Tatum probably showed you, you know, getting those swishes, making sure the form is right, making sure the footwork, going into moves, going into your pick and roll setups, going into shots, everything needs to be flawless in practice so that, you know, when there's a little bit of slippage in the game, it doesn't affect your outcome. It doesn't affect your efficiency and, and how you contribute to your team. So I'm really looking forward to the games tonight, looking forward to this season. There's just so much competitive nature uh, around. Obviously, as a competitor, you want to win. You want to see, you know, other highlights and big plays in games. But the Western Conference is going to be extremely tough. Um, teams have, imp- have continued to figure out ways to improve um, looking at the top all the way to the bottom, that 6-10, to 6-11 to 11 is going to be a, a tough race once again. But turning to the Eastern Conference a little bit, I think that, you know, based on what I've seen from research and, and, and from different, you know, people in the basketball community, there are some sleepers outside of the Boston Celtics, outside of the 76ers. Who do you think is capable of giving them a run for their money? Is it the Toronto Raptors? Is that the team that takes over? Well, Toronto... Like it doesn't seem like they're getting any any kind of legitimate um, love for what they've put together these last few years, and for a team that won the East regular season last year and was great at home, great on the road, um, wins fifty nine. I know they didn't have the postseason success, and that's really what's been their Achilles' heel. But you know they win fifty nine games and they get Kawhi Leonard back, um, or they get Kawhi Leonard, they bring back Fred VanVleet. They they have a lot of pieces. I, I really like Toronto. I think anytime you have a new coach and Nick Nurse who's been at the G League level, there will be growing pains. But I, I do like them. I I really like James Borrego. I think Charlotte's going to be better. Um, Miami, especially if they were to get Jimmy Butler. But either way, uh, a team that was great down the stretch last year. Milwaukee, are they going to take a big step? Because I think everybody anticipates Giannis is now going to really assert himself and cement himself as one of the best three or four players in the world. Will he do that this year? And then... Indiana, who we've talked about a lot because of Victor Oladipo, like I, I think Indiana, you know, they they take care of Miles Turner long term now. He had a great summer, got in even better shape. Uh, I think Oladipo will have another monster year, and uh, they did some nice things in the offseason, including Tyreek Evans. So I, I think the East, I know it's not the West, but there are still some some landmines there, and it'll be interesting to me to see how Boston and Philadelphia, who we all think is going to be are going to be really good, how they navigate what I think is is probably at this point a better conference than it's it's been given credit for just because it's been so disrespected. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that from a talent standpoint, Boston, you know, coming with that starting lineup of of Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, and Horford in the middle, I think that they have a lot of versatility and ability to switch one through five, similar to the Golden State Warriors, obviously similar but different uh, in terms of experience and uh, what they've been able to accomplish uh, up in the Bay is is unprecedented in, in, in their quest for a three-peat. But I think the Eastern Conference is definitely talented. I think that obviously in the West, when you have arguably the best two players on the planet in Kevin Durant and LeBron James, it, it gets a lot more attention than the Eastern Conference. But I'm looking forward to just a competitive nightly basis in the West, competitive in the East. And yeah. at some point, I know they'll visit that. I went through 16 seeding. Who are some of the guards in the East that maybe go – Overlooked, like I think about a guy like Josh Richardson that can kind of do a lot of different things, or or maybe um, you know a guy like Spencer Didwitty who's who's emerging. Um, you know, some players that are under the radar, but but that I don't want to say give you fits, but give you trouble, or guys that you prepare for differently. Maybe a guy like Kemba who has been an All Star now these past two years and is finally getting the due he deserves. I think there's a lot of very talented players out there who go under the radar. Obviously. Uh, players who have, you know, kind of burst onto the scene, you know, based on their playoff performance and uh, looking at Tatum, looking at uh, Terry Rozier, who was a backup guard who showed flashes of brilliance, you know, with his toughness, his competitive nature and ability to knock down tough shots. Uh, but even guys like Eric Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe is a competitor. He's fast as lightning. He played in the Western Conference with the Phoenix Suns. So being able to see, you know, how he gets to his mid-range, how he gets to certain spots. Chris Middleton is another guy who doesn't get a lot of credit, but is extremely efficient, big guard, two-way player who can do a lot of different things. And, you know, playing with Giannis, obviously Giannis is a top five, you know, player in the league. And he's going to, you know, put up triple doubles, flirt with triple doubles and, and, and take up most of the highlights. But those type of players yeah. – 
Obviously, Kimball Walker, he's as quick as I've seen with the ball. His, his change of direction, his crossover, uh, reminiscent of his step back against the uh, uh, University of Pittsburgh in, in the Big East tournament. You know, he, I was there in the garden. I was there. Yeah, the, his change of direction is is so fluid. It's incredible. He's able to get oh, it's incredible. in and out yeah. of his moves and uh, and just make plays for for not only himself but everybody around him. And I think he's also a guy who came in and shooting was his knock. And he's the franchise leader in three pointers made uh, in Charlotte. So that just kind of shows you. Yeah, and you've told me about Kemba uh, before. Just that his change of direction. Uh, if not the best, is is one of the best in the league because he's so fluid with it. The step back, uh, he's small, but he's he's he, he plays a lot bigger, right? Right, he plays a lot bigger. He can finish around the the rim with finesse. Uh, he's able to cut off the the driving lanes on bigs. You know, while he's dribbling, he's able to cut off their angle towards the basket and and finish uh, a variety of different ways. But uh, he's a wizard in the pick and roll. I mean, there's a lot of guys throughout the NBA. You go you go from team to team who. You know they have you know tough guards, tough covers. You know, looking at the Eastern Conference, obviously, I named a few. Looking at the Western Conference, you ha- you have Devin Booker. You have a lot of those guys who are you know combo, but play the two, who are able to score with the ball, score without the ball. You know, Clay Thompson obviously is not under the radar, but I think underappreciated at times. For Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler. You know, some of those guys who can play with the ball in their hands, play without it. Um, I didn't even I didn't name but Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, uh, he's another player who plays well with the ball. Uh, going going throughout the the Western Conference, there's some some other teams looking at you know, the Houston, the Houston Rockets looking at Eric Gordon. Sure, he's another player who you know averaging 18, 19 points. He came off the bench, can play with the ball, can play in pick and roll. Is always a threat to catch and shoot, and also has a three point championship under his belt. And then you look at Luka Doncic. Is he? The rookie that you're most fascinated by, or is there a guy that you look at and you just say, I, "I," aside from aside from Trent and Simons on your team, I know those guys are have have impressed early, but uh, is there a rookie, Doncic or somebody else, Trey, that you're most interested just to see how they how they perform against pros? I like Doncic. Uh, I like his poise. I like the fact that he's been a pro for a long time. He's traveled. He's played in big Euroleague games in hostile environments. He understands that this is a job. This is a lifestyle uh, of basketball 24-7. He, he hasn't had to go to school, go to class, uh, represent a university. He's been getting paid for years. And I think that gives him a competitive advantage over some of the other rookies because he was playing against grown men at 16, 17, you know, at a high level and holding his own, if not dominating. So I'm not surprised by his success. He's crafty. He has changed direction. He's a big guard, knows how to play pick and roll. And with all this space we have in the NBA game, I think he'll he'll see success early on, especially when you know he has he's surrounded by shooters, and you have Dirk that'll be coming in, picking and popping. Um, he'll be just fine. I think that DeAndre Ayton is a guy who you know haven't played against him twice in the preseason. He's big. He's got grown man body and grown man strength, and he hasn't even really you know fully developed yet. You know when he gets 25, 26, that's when his body will completely start to mature and fill out, and his brain will be you know completely matured. You know post twenty five. And I think you'll kind of see how he evolves. He already has the face-up game. He has touch around the basket. He's smooth. He's patient. And I think the sky's the limit for him when you put you put Book out there in those pick and rolls. You put Jamal Crawford out there in those pick and rolls. And, you know, surrounded by shooters, you'll have Trev out there. I think that you'll be able to really see uh, how good he is. He's a, he's a potential lob threat every possession and consistently going to learn more and more about the defensive end as he gets used to the schemes and and the high volume of pick and rolls that, that he's going to face. That was my question with um, with Aiden CJ, which was seeing him up close and uh, what, what impressed you the most. I guess you answered part of it, but just his size, his fluidity, because that was part of the um, appeal of him getting drafted. Number one was just how how smooth he is, how athletic he is. You talked about his his shooting touch. That was another thing that he showed more and more of. Did you feel like he was every bit as imposing as as you thought he might be? I didn't know what to expect going in. I had watched him in college, and it's it's always interesting to see how. Players' games translate, but one thing I, I seen was his motor. I seen he he had a motor for for the glass and being able to get rebounds. And I seen his touch. He wasn't afraid to shoot that 16, 17 foot jumper. And I think that the Phoenix Suns are working him in a little bit closer that, so that it's more you know eleven to fifteen feet, uh, which is an easier shot to make when you're going through fatigue. But I was impressed with just his poise and patience. 
He had patience around the basket. He took his time in ISOs. He didn't feel the need to shoot it every time he got an ISO. He was able to, you know, be comfortable enough to, to kind of give the ball up, get it back, set screens. And his awareness around the basket on lobs was, was, was impressive in terms of knowing when to catch and finish versus when to catch it, come down, gather yourself, and make a play. Last question before we go to our special guest is um, going back to the Celtics. Are you Do you anticipate any uh, issue with all these guys, all these great players, uh, specifically coming back with with Kyrie and, and Hayward with reduced minutes now for Terry or for Smart or any of these other players, do you anticipate there being a problem? Or how would you, uh, let's say you were coming back and, and you were a guy like Kyrie who now is going to eat into some younger guys' minutes? Would you is that a conversation you would have with somebody to to say here here's what here's how we can both succeed? Like how how does that work in your mind in Boston? I think there's a a natural pecking order that falls into place and. You know, having talked to E.T. about the, the culture over in Boston and what type of guy Brett Stevens is, he's a no-nonsense guy who's very straightforward with, with the team. So he will establish a pecking order and, and kind of let, the, let the, the team know that this is how things are going to be done. You know, this is option A, this is option B. You can play yourself into a different option or a different role, but this is how things are going to be for now. And I think that winning triumphs everything. They understand that the more they win, the better everything is around them. The more minutes you'll play because you'll be more efficient, your plus minus will be higher, your defensive rating, offensive rating will be better so that the team will feel like they should have you out on the floor. And then B, a lot of these players are going to be in contract years. Jalen Brown's going to be you know, on the books for potentially trying to get a max deal. Uh, Terry Rozier has already not come to an agreement and will become a restricted free agent this summer. Marcus Smart has already gotten paid, so he's going to be more comfortable playing any role because – he understands that he was paid because of the way he plays, how hard he plays, what he has to offer to this game that not a lot of players can offer. So he's just going to go be himself every night. Jason Tatum is a skilled wing who's going to play himself into points, you know, just based on the system he's in and, and how talented he is. And you, you look at Kyrie and Gordon coming back. Gordon's going to be on a 25-minute per game restriction, which gives uh, Brad Stevens a lot of freedom and flexibility because now you can get you can get Jalen Brown's minutes around 32, 33. You can move around uh, minutes by playing certain players at the four. You can put Morris at the four or five, and then you can move Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum to the four and kind of move things around a little bit and structure it in a way so that the young wings can get 30 minutes. And then Gordon Hayward locks out, caps out at 25. And you can go Kyrie and Rozier lineups down the stretch of games so that you kind of get him his 26, 27 minutes as well. So I think that they'll be able to to figure it out. It'll be game by game, situation by situation, obviously. And in most cases, if they're up double digits, the minutes will be capped anyway because the bench unit will be closing games. It's it's a good problem to have um, when you have such a, a plethora of talent. And sometimes like the old adage in the NFL was, you know, if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. Um, I don't know if that's still the case with some of these players like Taysom Hill or Lamar Jackson finding opportunities to get in games and impact. I think you could say the same thing about, you know, point guards in the NBA. If you have two, you have you have your big advantage. A guy like Terry Rozier, who, like you, an Ohio guy that just continually find ways to score and 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 create mismatches and make great plays. And I and I I like the fact that he didn't re up. I think it leaves him himself options. He's twenty four years old. Um, and he, if he has another really good year or an efficient season, he's going to get paid. And so I, I like guys that bet on themselves. And and I think you know him and him and Kyrie can play together, just like I think Hayward, Brown, and Tatum can play together. And you could put Al at the five and go small. So Boston has options, right? Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And you know, Ohio players, as I always say, we're cut from a different cloth. We're, we're different. We're a different animal, different type of beast. And. We, we always say that you know yourself better than anybody else. Terry Rozier knows what he's capable of. He also knows that there's some areas he can improve upon. Right. And I think this is his year to show that, to show his worth, show he can be a full-time point guard. And this is Kyrie's also chance to show he's healthy and he's going to command a big contract coming off of coming off of this uh, season, depending on how well things go. And Boston will have to make a decision. You know, give Kyrie the max, and you, you probably won't be able to pay Rozier what his open market worth is, or you match it, go over the cap, and roll the dice depending on how the season goes. And I think that that's a tough situation to be in, but a great situation to be in when you have an influx of talent. Okay, we've got more pull up in a second, but first, I want to tell you about Gillette on demand. If you're shaving and you're not using Gillette razors, you're doing it wrong. In my case, I got a little bit of facial hair, nice little peach fuzz I've had since college. Can't pull off the full beard like James Harden. 
but the razor keeps my gold tea looking on point. Routines are important to athletes, and shaving on game days is part of mine. Usually a few hours before I head to the arena, I get my shave on. And you can't go wrong with any Gillette razor, the Mach 3, the Sensor 3, they're all good. I roll with the Fusion Pro Shield personally. It gets the job done every time. Gillette razors are quality and will ensure that you leave the house looking and feeling fresh. And now you can get Gillette quality blades at the best value and convenience with Gillette On Demand. With Gillette On Demand, you can get blades delivered directly to your door. Subscribe to Gillette On Demand today and get 50% off your first order with special offer code PULLUP50 at checkout. Enjoy free shipping and every fourth order free with subscription. So again, visit Gillette Online at GilletteOnDemand.com and use PULLUP50. That's P-U-L-L-U-P-5-0 for 50% off your first order. Now on the line is star guard Donovan Mitchell. Donovan, I appreciate you calling in, man. I know you got a game tomorrow, so we'll try to make this as quick as possible, man. But thanks again for calling in. No problem, man. Thank you for having me. No problem, man. We got to get started with the NBA season. It's here. We were just watching some of the uh, Sixers and Boston Celtics game. Uh, You're going into year two. Uh, It's crazy how fast the summer goes, and it's crazy how much life changes a year and a half ago. You were being drafted by the Denver Nuggets and traded to Utah. How much has your life changed from draft night to now, post-dunk contest, post-20-plus uh, points in your rookie season, you know, a great playoff series? How much has your life changed from then to now? I couldn't really describe it to you. I think it took me until the summer, mid-summer probably, uh, to kind of process everything that happened, you know, with, with my life. Um you know, to be able to, what really got me is when I would go home, you know, and I couldn't walk down the street anymore in New York. I think that's like walking the brick league workouts. Like remember I did when I was, uh, back when I was in college, I used to be able to just come and walk, stroll right in and I couldn't do that anymore. So for me, it, it, it changed really fast and I couldn't really process it all at one time. I think, you know, the best, the best thing about it, you know, is I've just tried my best to stay humble, stay, stay even kid, but man, it's, the life is different, you know, when you're in it. You know, I don't to be a fan now to being in it. It's completely different, and it's a blessing. I can only thank God for being in this spot, but, you know, there's a lot more to it, I hope, and I'm just continuing to work. Donovan, this is Jordan. Do you have a moment where you felt like, okay, I'm good enough and I'm arrived? Like, obviously, you were confident, but at what point did you realize that not only were you an NBA player, but that you were – you have the opportunity to do some really special things in this league. Was it a practice, a game, maybe a moment? Um, how, how did that play out for you? I would say probably around, like, obviously the 41-point game would be my easy answer. Right. But, like, even after that, I'm thinking, you know, maybe they just had an off night. You know, maybe I just had a great night. You know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a, continuously a guy who kind of doubts himself in a, in a way that kind of gets me to continue working. You know what I mean? Um, so, for me... My biggest thing was always, like, when are they going to make adjustments? When are they, you know, when are they going to do this? When are they going to do that? So I would say it took me until about March, um, to be honest, to kind of be like, all right, like, I'm here. You know, we had our we had our little win streak uh, before All-Star, and, you know, I think that's when it really hit me. Like, all right, you know, maybe I am this good. Maybe I can give myself a little bit of credit, but, yeah, even so, even throughout the playoffs, there were times where I was like, you know, it's going to be different, you know, things are going to change, but it never really, it never really did. And I never took into account for how much work that I was putting in. You know, I always understood that there's going to be adjustments made, but I never kind of understood that I was putting in work myself. I read that you were actually at LeBron's first decision in Miami. How crazy is life for you to be at the decision uh, in Miami yeah. and now be in the NBA? Um, I was there, I was there in Connecticut. That's crazy. I was there when he made it in Connecticut at the Boys and the Girls Club. That is crazy. Um, I selfishly wanted him to go to Miami. <laughs> um, I was a big LeBron fan. But, you know, I was around a bunch of Knicks fans and Celtics fans around that time. Um, obviously, growing up in the tri-state area. So, to be outside, I almost got hit in the head with a snapple bottle. I made that <laughs> joke all the time. Like, people were throwing stuff. It was They were upset. You know, for me, I was, I was probably the only one that was cheering. <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, but, man, to go from that <laughs> and then to play against them in Cleveland 
where I grew up, I had posters of, of him and, and whatnot. That was probably one of the, the nights where I was like, oh, shoot, like, I'm here. Like, this is it. And I told my, 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 my coach, Johnny Bryant, we sat down. He was like, like I saw a look in my face. He was like, what? I'm like, I've never been in here before. Like, I've always seen it. You know, I've always seen it in the documentaries and all that stuff, but I've never been here. And I think that's when it really had me, like, shook. <laughs> oh, that's dope, man. That's a wow. That's a dope story. CJ, do, do you remember that that night, CJ? The decision. Do you remember that night? I'm pretty sure I was in Ohio. What year was this? What was year was the decision? 2010, maybe. 10. Oh, I was a freshman. 2011. Okay, so I was in 2009. I was a freshman in college, so I was at Lehigh watching, and honestly, I didn't know what he was gonna do. But being from Ohio, I knew that when he said he was gonna have, you know, essentially a decision like on TV and like a lot of money and over a million, two million right, that dollars was it. going to the Boys and Girls Club. I figured that was his way of saying, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise some money for this area, but I'm out of here. And I kind of expected him to leave, but wasn't sure where, where he was going to go. But I think that he's evolved so much since then, like from a lifestyle standpoint to a family standpoint to a business standpoint that mm-hmm. uh, I think it was a good decision for him. It took him outside his comfort zone and allowed him to, to go through scrutiny. I think, his best, I think, obviously he's had some great years, but his best year might have been the year he shot forty-two percent from three in Miami because that was when he was, he's still unstoppable. But that was when he was unbelievably unstoppable. What was that his second year when they won it, right? Yeah, that was his second year. Yeah. Was, second and third year, right? Yeah, he was he was in like rare. That's when that's when D Wade threw the no look alley and looked in the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Milwaukee game. I remember that. Yeah. That was a dope picture. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was crazy. CJ, don't you always say that that was the best Braun Miami, or at least your favorite version of him? Yeah, I think that was my favorite version. Obviously, he's gotten better like all around from a mental standpoint. But in terms of being locked in, explosive. Like, his dunks are crazy now, but those dunks in Miami, like, the way he got off the ground, mm-hmm. how locked in he was, how he was, he was he was a villain at that point, and he played like it. He played angry. And it just kind of brought out something that I didn't see in Cleveland. Like, I seen him dominate. I seen him score 25 straight against Detroit. And that was rare for him, Bron. But the, the Bron we seen in Miami was, it was, <laughs> it was, it was a different type of anger, a different type of animal, but... I like the one where it was game six against Boston. Oh, yeah. At the yeah. Garden. It was, I was like, yeah, because if they lose if they lose that game, you know, like, I, re- I always read, like, his legacy is completely different. Yeah. You know, if they lose that game, if that, that game goes down, because that would have been the second year in a row they lose, right? Yeah. Right. So they go from losing the finals to losing before they even make the finals. And when he went out at half, I think it was 45, that's when I, I was like, wow, like that's that's impressive. That's an impressive feat for sure. Have you watched Basketball a Love Story? Have you seen that on TV? No, I haven't. Bro, you ha- do me a favor. When you get some free time, have one have your video guy clip like put it on your iPad or something like that. I watched seven like seven I watched for like two, three hours last night and I watched the uh, the breakdown on Miami. It's so good. It's unbelievable. The interviews, like they got film footage, just the storytelling. It, it talks about like every facet of basketball, starting with the ABA and there's just different sections. There's Michael Jordan section. It talks about his shoe deal with Nike, how he originally wanted to sign with Adidas. There's just so many stories that we didn't hear about growing up that is crazy. But the Miami game, I rewatched the the Miami game where they subbed Tim Duncan out oh. to get the offensive rebound and Ray Allen ends up hitting the three like I was just thinking about like how different would like life be if Ray doesn't hit that three they lose that that's two championships they had already lost to Dallas that would have been two years in a row they lose completely changed the whole dynamic who knows what happens after that but it's just crazy how life works I've never I think I've heard of it but I've never even thought about looking at it but for sure it's 24 hours of documented like basketball stories it just came out like a week ago and they only released four they released like four hours of it but there's 20 hours left. Where is that? Where is that at? Like, where can I watch that? If I have my people set up for me, ESPN. If you at your if you at your house, just just go on demand and then just type in like on your search a basketball love story. Donna, you're okay. gonna love it. It's really, really it's good. It's really man. like it's a basketball lover's dream, bro. Like I was watching, like, oh my yeah. goodness, this is crazy. I might have something for the plane ride. It takes you through like just basketball and like how we've come. And then one of the crazy parts about our game is that when it first started, every time you scored, you had to do a jump ball. Really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, before they like amended the game and made changes to it, you would score, you go to the center and jump circle every time. That's crazy. So you get to kind of see how the game has changed. And then they talk about the art of the past, talks about USAB, talks about John Thompson in Georgetown. There's just like so many different uh, storylines and, and things to kind of view that you don't normally get to see. Speaking of Jordan, you were number 45. Yeah. 
how long have have you been wearing this number? And you know, people, some people that may not be familiar with the story, Jordan wore forty five uh, briefly. Why do you wear it, and and what does it mean to you? You know, I probably start. I wish I could have wore it earlier, but you know how the sizes are when you, when you play AU. You know, the big numbers are for the big kids, and the, the small numbers are for the small kids. So, um, I probably say I started it in high school. I started in high school. I always wanted to be forty five. Baseball, I was able to wear it no problem, but um, I want. I started wearing it in basketball in high school and. You know, I stopped. I stopped playing. I stopped playing. I broke my wrist in uh, my tenth grade year. Um, not playing baseball was probably the hardest decision, one of the hardest things I ever made. Like you know, um, because you know I love baseball so much. So it was kind of like, man, like I'm leaving this this whole pastime that I've been I grew up on, and um, it just stuck with me. You know, throughout high school. Definitely wasn't going to switch it in college. And, you know, once I got to the NBA, you know, the only 45 I knew was Dexter Pittman and Denzel Valentine. And so I was like, I think I should be good as long as I don't go to Chicago. And now I think Dexter's in the league anymore. So I'm going to go to Chicago. I think I'll be able to wear this wear this number. <laughs> that's, a, that's a dope story. And, wow. and your dad works for the Mets, right? Is that where you got your love for baseball early on? Yeah. My dad my dad works for the Mets, grew up around the Mets staff for pretty much my, I would say, probably – 14 years of my life. Wow. You talked about walking, how you used to walk to workouts in, in New York City. You, you can't really walk there anymore. Going into your second season, I always say that when I watched you, when I first watched you play, I said, he's got good pace. He can shoot. He's strong. He finish, finish around the basket. I said, he's going to be all right. Like, he's going to be able to figure it out once he's on the scouting reports. And, you know, people always say, like, can someone sustain something? When I seen you play, first brick hit me. He was like, yo, you got to see Donovan Mitchell play. And I was like, that's the kid from Louisville, right? And he's like, yeah. So I, I started watching you, and I was like, okay, he's got pace. I started kind of like watching your game, and I was like, oh, this is going to translate. What did you, after reviewing film, I know you guys are big on watching film with Quinn and, and the staff. What did you kind of break down and say, all right, I can get better at these areas, and that'll carry over to a, a very productive second year? I think we really looked at, you know, you brought up pace, which is huge for me, you know, slowing down. You know, I watch I watch a lot of a lot of you and Dane. Y'all 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 take your time. You know, a lot of times last year I was kinda of like in a hurry, like all right, I gotta score, I gotta score, I gotta go, I gotta go. You know what I mean? Right. You know, it was always in a hurry. And I think that for me, um, will always be one of my challenges, just being able to slow down, you know, because I came from Louisville where everything was like running with a chicken with your head cut off. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so like uh, that was one of the things that I, I, we kind of look at, you know, being able to see certain options because I'm I'm watching film from last year, and there are a lot of times guys are open, and I'm not even finding them because my head is down. You know what I mean? So I think being able to kind of um, slow when I slow down, it allows me to see other options. You know, maybe those three assists a game and those what I think it's 1.7 turnovers a game, it kind of it kind of goes the wrong the other way. You know, maybe my assists go up, my turnovers go down. If as long as I change my pace, and you know, at first I thought changing my pace was all about scoring. You know, all about changing my pace to get a get a shot. You know, so now it's getting the pace, changing my pace, and kind of throwing a lob to Rudy or hitting somebody in the corner. Um, I think those are the things I've really been looking at the most. Donovan, CJ, and I have talked a lot about your game uh, specifically as it compares to Dwayne Wade, um, a young D Wade, really, in terms of the the pace and the footwork and the explosiveness in which you play. And and how do you feel about that comparison? Is it fair? And, and do you like it, especially considering this is a guy that's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day? For me, what's funny about the D-Way comparison is I didn't notice it until I got into the NBA. Um, I had always thought Russell Westbrook, you know, like that was my, I was the only thing. Russell Westbrook attacked the rim, attacked the rim because I couldn't, couldn't shoot, couldn't do much of anything. And except just go to the basket and try and dunk on people. And so I get to the league, and I'm watching D-Wade's footwork, his pace, the floaters, this type of shots that I'm taking. And all my stuff is centered around that. So um, I personally, I love it. I love the comparison because it allows me to kind of get more in-depth. And, you know, CJ, you saw it being within this, this, this summer really helped, you know, being able to understand that everything is a, a foot race. You know, it's angles. It's shot fake. It's getting to the line. You know, one thing I always say is his – he got to the line, I think it was 24 times in the game during the finals. 
that that's what it was. Like that stood out to me. Like that's crazy, you know. So um, I think that's very impressive. So I take a lot of that and try and put it into you know into what I do into my game. Uh, but I just try and not try and copy, but like you know try and take as much as I can, from him, especially since this is his last year. Right. Right. No, I think I think I see the comparisons in the Euro step, the spins, and. And working with D Wade and seeing you work with him, I think his pace, as he's gotten older, his pace has drastically slowed down to where he's effective mm-hmm. in tight spaces. He's effective in open space. He's got back to basket. He's got slow shot fake. He's got quick shot fake. You know, he's been able in, in 16 years to kind of add everything, you know, each year. Yeah, I agree for sure. And I think what, what impresses me is he was able to slow down while being athletic. You know, a lot of athletic guys want to just take off and try and dunk at everybody. You know, he had a a kind of a post game, uh, or a little bit of a post game during his third year. You know, and I think that's what I, I was like, wow, like for him to realize that that he needs that part of his game or he can thrive in that part of the game was really impressive. You know, for him being just his third year in the league. You know, not a lot of guys have that mindset. And uh, so I think that's a lot of things I took from him for sure. That's where I was going to go next was was the post because. We've seen these great players, especially great wings, evolve into dominant low post scorers. Whether it's you know it's MJ, whether it's Kobe, uh, KD's developed some, LeBron. So when you look at a guy like D Wade, who who really you know adapted and, and became a, a very good back to the basket guy, is that something where you see yourself, Donovan, continuing to evolve? For for sure, um, I think a lot of it for 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 me is not kind of just throwing it all on one thing. All right, I work out close to summer stuff. All I'm going to do, you know, bringing it in with moments where, where I'm like, all right, like, all right, here we go. I can put, I can do a post in this, in this play or in this play. And I kind of not just kind of going right to it, taking it time by time. And then, and then incorporating it within my game, you know, maybe it's not this year. Maybe it's not next year. It's my fourth year. Maybe it is next year. Maybe it is this year. Uh, just trying to find and add key elements to, to my game to, to improve and, to expand and to make myself tougher to guard. That's smart. That's smart. And you know, with your staff and with people you have around you, I'm sure that they're continuing to put things in place for you to, so that you understand it's a it's a process, as as JoJo would say. Each year, you know, being able to add one element, being able to add one thing or, or tighten one thing up can be the biggest difference in yeah. those small increments of success uh, that we see. We asked Twitter some questions uh, for you, so I'm going to go through some Twitter questions briefly, and then uh, I'll let you enjoy the rest of this game, and I'm going to put my feet up and FaceTime wifey. From uh, Maddie, Maddie Gravel 9 if you could have one hour to learn something from an NBA legend, who from NBA legend guard, who and which skill would you choose? Uh, Kobe. Kobe, for sure. I don't think we have to shoot a basketball for that hour uh, for me to learn a lot. Uh, I think it could be all footwork. If I could learn footwork from Kobe for an hour, um, I think that would be one of those things that would go a long way for me. Uh, I look at one of my counterparts in, in Jason Tatum. You know, he has great footwork. You know, and I think I, I watch a lot of his stuff just out of the mid post and stuff, and just taking it from everybody. But uh, you can tell like he's kind of Kobe's kind of taught him a few things. You know, so I would definitely love to take that away from Kobe for sure. Yeah, he's polished. He's he's got a nice mid post game, and is he's only going to get better, especially in the system the way they play with the spacing. He's he's going to be a handful. Yeah. Uh, the next question, based more around internationally, you got to travel some internationally this this past summer with Adidas, and congrats to on the uh, new era deal. By the way, that's big, man. Congrats. Thank you. Happy for you. Thank you. You have Joe Ingles, uh, Rudy, Exum, Rubio. What's the best slash most fun thing you've learned with playing so with so many international guys and, and getting a taste of being in Greece? What place do you like in Europe the most? Uh, the place I like the most probably Spain. I went there when I was in eighth grade. It's a little different when you go there. You can kind of stay in a nicer hotel. You know, you can actually go to some spots when you have when you need money. <laughs> but <laughs> right. I think just being around that culture, you know, my my grandmother's from Panama, so I'm, I have a little bit of Hispanic in my blood. Um, but being part of that culture just, and, and the one that thing that gets me is they sleep or they eat dinner so late, you know, they take a siesta or I think that's what it's called. And, you know, it's just that culture. It's just a lot of fun to be around. You know, Ricky's one of those guys that I just love being around, um, just because of his energy. You know, he's always in a happy mood. He's always, always in a good mood, brightens up the, the locker room. Um, and one thing I learned from the international, the national players on my team is, 
the simplicity of how they play. You know, a lot of it, it you know, you look at all of us, you know, you look at guys like AI, you look at, maybe not MJ, but you look at like AI, you know, all these guards are, you know, who can, who can do a lot. Kyrie, you know, um, who do a lot. You know, when you see Ricky, you know, uh, he, he's, he's kind of simple. You know, he's simple with his movements, simple with the ball. Um, it's a Joe Ingles the same way. And I think that's one thing I could add to my game for sure. Donovan, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, with your character in, in Game of Zones, but uh, it's 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 a big deal. It's become you've really become a big part of the show. Are are you familiar, and, and what do you think about it? Um, I'm not familiar. I know we had the the video last year, which was pretty funny. Um, I forgot when it came out. It was like me, Lonzo, Cruz, Ben, Markel, Jason. I thought that was pretty funny for sure. Yeah, that that was a big one. That was a big one. That was probably the only one I've seen, to be honest with you. Well, to to transform the question, then would be when you start to see yourself in a cartoon like that. That's actually like pretty funny. Do you enjoy it? Is it is it strange? Like what what is your first impression when you see something like that? I just go back to being a kid. To be honest with you, I go back to being uh, I go back to being like a, a fan and I right. start laughing at it because I find it funny. I get to actually enjoy it. You know. Um, it's tough because when I start to like the photos, you know, Bleach Report kind of hops on that pretty fast. <laughs> but um, it's it's cool. I just get to enjoy it and embrace it. Uh, it's it's. So at the end of the day, I'm a kid. You know, I tell people that all the time, like I'm a kid. You know, all of last year was a whirlwind, and it was kind of like the kid just kind of like like I felt like like Mike. You know, just thrown into it. It's like whoa, like oh my god, like this is here, and this is what I'm this is what I'm doing. You know, so I think it's just pretty cool to just be that, be a fan for a little bit. Do you look at anything specifically, Donovan, this year um, to improve? Like, is there one area, even if a, a small one perhaps, that you can hone in on and say, I want to attack this and get better in year two? Defense. You know, I want to be able to guard for the entire game and play offense and be able to be, you know, the main option. I think that's one of the things that I, I took pride. That was my, that was my mindset uh, coming into – in college. Tell me, yeah, in college, right. you know, like I had to be able to guard, you know, and I feel like I didn't lose it all the way, but I feel like I lost it a little bit. And it was me, one, not being in, in best, good enough shape and not understanding that what I ate, you know, what I ate played a part into it, you know, my energy levels, you know, doing a lot. So I think for me, being able to play both sides of the ball, I think is one thing I really want to be able to do. Maybe, like I said, maybe it's not, Fully this year or fully next year, but by by year five, I want to be like a solid defender and a solid offensive player. Did it did it surprise you, Donovan? Then that when you were coming in, that this was your calling card, being you know a defender from Louisville, who like you said, you guys press and you're you're all over the floor. To now, you're being asked to score and play make and do all these different things. Did it did it surprise you that um, like you said, you, you you didn't have quite the the same defensive aptitude as, as you, maybe you wanted? I think I gave myself, and usually I, I, I told you I don't do this. Usually I think I gave myself the benefit of the doubt. You know, I kind of said, you know what? You're doing way more than you thought. Right. So I think, I mean, I wouldn't say I settled, but I understood. You know what I mean? I understood that it's a lot. And I, and I respected, you know, a lot more of the guys who do it on both. That's like the Kawhi's, the PG's, you know. The Clay Thompsons, you know, I think I respected them a lot more right. after having to go through that, going from basically a guy who people didn't know if I could play point guard, didn't know if I could shoot, but they knew I could play defense. To go from that to being able to be like not really that great of a defender, in my in my personal opinion. Um, so I definitely did surprise me by that. I accepted it, but I knew coming into the summer that look, I'm gonna get in better shape i'm going to be ready for when the time comes or when i when i need to i can go and guard guys like go from guarding cj and dame to go guard chase around clay chase around steph you know what i mean be able to do sure. both of those sure so four different players but four but you know what i mean four different elements and still be successful cj when did it hit you that you needed to that you needed to to not just lock try to lock down and be a two-way guy but the eating and the sleeping at what point in your nba career did you realize that Here's how I can become a more complete guy. Well, my rookie year was a lot different than Donovan's in that I got hurt. Yeah. So I, I broke my foot. I fractured mm. my foot my senior year. And then the last day of training camp, I fractured my foot again. And that's when I changed everything. I changed my diet. I changed my mindset. 
uh, from a mental approach, not being able to physically perform, having to watch practice. I went from we went from 36 wins to 53, and I didn't really contribute. I basically watched the first three months, and then I you know I played 10 minutes a game, and then a lot of DMP. So from a mental aspect of having to pay attention to plays and practice that you're not going to run through. Like you're not getting reps because you're not playing in the game. So you have to get mental reps. And that was a hard part of adjusting. And then physically just tightening it up. I, I give Todd, Todd and I've been a lot of credit to my success. They're, they're on our strength and performance staff because, you know, we locked in on the diet. I changed my diet um, during the process. I wasn't eating before 10 a.m. and I wasn't eating after 8 p.m. for a long time. And it was just to kind of change changed the digestion process. It helped my sleep. It took away inflammation in my body. It, it changed a lot of things. And what I was eating, you know, hiring this chef now, Chef B's in the kitchen. Shout out to Chef B. He's preparing my meal right now. Like doing those types of things really changed my lifestyle. And, you know, going through some some minor aches and pains and sorenesses because you like fried chicken or I love French fries or I like hot Cheetos, like eating stuff like that. Whereas now I have healthy snacks around me. I like chips and guac. I'm eating quinoa. I never knew what quinoa was until I got to the league. Like learning about certain things and how I can maximize this 15, whatever it is, amount of years. And then I can eat whatever I want when I'm 40 years old and I got kids and I'm going to soccer practice and and tennis practice and stuff like that. So for me, it was rookie year when I was on the bench watching. And every time I showed up to the arena knowing I wasn't going to play, that was enough motivation for me to do whatever they told me to do. You need me to watch two hours of film a day? Bet. You need me to not eat this stuff? Cool. You need me to be here at eight? I'm there because this was it. Like I knew that this is it. I, I already fractured my foot twice and I had a lot of goals I wanted to accomplish, and I was behind on the eight ball, not playing the first two years. That's crazy. Yeah, it's almost like a a compliment to each each of you, in that way that you you came in as something, and then that you've now evolved in a very short period of time, especially you, Donovan, just a year into being so much more than what maybe some people might have expected. Yeah, you know, like I kind of what CJ is, is saying, like, man, you know, I'm thinking, you know, Chef, y'all, you don't need it. You know, it'll it'll be all right. You know, you'll be fine. And in just and in just one year, I'm like, man, like I don't eat gummy bears anymore. And, and for y'all <laughs> that, that that are listening, and and for you, CJ as well, like that was my thing. Like I ate candy. I ate candy <laughs> all the time. You know how much free time we have. I watch Netflix. I watch Netflix and gummy bears. Like I don't do that anymore. <laughs> right. Right. And it's it's crazy to me because. I feel the difference, and you you hear it, or you'll feel it. You know, you kind of just like, all right, like, yeah, sure, whatever, you know. But I feel it. You know, you feel like, oh wow, like you feel lighter, you feel quicker, you feel more energetic. You don't get as tired, you know, throughout the days. And it took me a year to realize that, you know. And I hear like there are some guys who don't get it till year seven. Yeah. You know what I mean? And for you, like you had your wake up call your year as well. You know what I mean? So I'm blessed that. Side kind of gave me that opportunity just to, and that open mindedness because not a lot of people are open minded enough to, to to even think like that, you know. And I think it kind of takes for that that one moment, you know. For me, I broke my wrist and I changed my complete mindset to work harder. Uh, for you, you broke your foot, you know. I think that's what God always finds a way to humble us, and then it changes everything, you know. And I think that's it's another testament of it for sure. Yeah, I, I agree one hundred percent. I think that you hit it around the head, Kobe. People always say, I say you hit it right on the head, so I'm saying it again. Kobe uh, didn't, didn't learn until his prime. He said that he, he was eating McDonald's. He even had pictures on the plane with the trophy and, like, McDonald's and French fries and everything just kind of right there in front of him. So mm-hmm. uh, it's to, to be able to get that advantage is crucial and can add years on the career and can extend the joints, the muscles, the way we play and the way you play, especially athletic, explosive, quick-twitch muscles, moving side to side. 82-game season, traveling, any type of advantage we can get, the better, especially out in the Western Conference where it's like Wonder Rose. and It's literally like Game of Thrones. Every yeah. night, every night, it's, a, it's a pit bulls out there. For real, every night. But I, I appreciate you coming on, man. I ain't going to hold you up too much longer. I know you got stuff to do. No, Donovan, we're really, really a pleasure, man, and can't wait to see year two and Wish you nothing but the best moving forward, buddy. Good luck this season, bro. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. This was this was dope. I'm gonna definitely do this. Um, hopefully a few times next summer. That's cool. You like to like a workout with Chris or whatever. Yeah, whenever you want to call in, bro. Lines open, man. 
And I'm going to definitely have, I'm going to have uh, Ekpe come on too. I got to send him some books and send me your address. I'll shoot you some books. And I know you don't drink wine like I do, but maybe one of your teammates do. I'll send you some some wine too at some point during the season, bro. But uh, congrats on your extension too. The big one's coming, bro. So just hang in there. I, I, the I big, appreciate it. God the willing, big man. one's coming. God I don't want to talk about it much, but I appreciate it. Speaking into existence, man. Yeah, for sure. No doubt. Now for one of the favorite parts of the show. Cue the wine music, please. It's been a little while since we discussed uh, some of our some of our favorite wines. I think we had Steve on last week, and we weren't able to really get into it because we had such an engaging conversation about so many things going on in this world, along with the effects of adversity and the importance of resiliency. But speaking of resiliency, uh, my wine cellar is very resilient. <laughs> it's always, you know, bringing me back in. It's always bringing me back in and figuring out ways to get me to open different bottles. And I actually found this bottle in Vancouver during the preseason. Uh, it's a Palermo Cab Sap 2015 from Napa Valley. And Pavino has a special offer where it's selling it for $36.99. Naturally, I paid much more for that in the restaurant because that's how they do things. But it has an awesome, awesome taste. As the description goes on Pavino, there's a combination of edgy ripe fruit and power in a must-have Cab Sap. And it's one of the top 1% of wines in the world. It is bold, more tannic than smooth, more dry than sweet, and more acidic than soft, but it also has that oak, vanilla, chocolate, blackberry, plum, dark fruit taste. A must have, and as the saying goes, after two, they all taste the same. Well, I didn't go quite uh, quite as rich, but I did go with a Pinot. Uh, acidic, I'd say slightly above average uh, fruit uh, tannins. Uh, $60, Solomon Hills 2013 from Santa Maria Valley. Uh, as you know, CJ, I was uh, I was officiating my best friend's wedding, and uh, it was at a winery, beautiful winery, Sunstone, uh, out in Santa Inez. But they had a, a great local Pinot. It got a 93 point uh, on wine enthusiasts and uh, 60 bucks. So for a Pinot, uh, it's a little bit pricey, but definitely worth it. Awesome, awesome. I'll add to the list, text me it as you always do, and I will be purchasing that and having this into the cellar. But as we always say, we appreciate all our listeners out there, all the men and women across the world who are taking time out of their busy schedules to listen to the Pull Up Podcast. We appreciate it. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Radio.com, or wherever you get your shows. Don't forget to pull up. Pull up.